Hello everybody, um, this is, I don't know, it's been a little while, I'm here with Paul DiCarlo, a friend of mine, he has been um, a huge help in the startup community here in Houston, he is currently working at Microsoft as a senior software engineer, and when I met him, he was an um, evangelist here, um, and I'm caught up with him recently, and he told me a little bit about cryptocurrency. Hi. Hi, Juan. A pleasure to be on your podcast and just hanging out again. It's always fun. Um, yeah, so we were talking about cryptocurrency, and I guess that started because uh, word got out around some of the friends that we know in the Houston community that I scratched this itch of creating a cryptocurrency over the winter break um, using the Litecoin source code. Um made some changes similar to how they made changes to the Bitcoin source code to create um, their initial product um, or project, if you want to call it that, um, just so I could kind of enter that space of being one of the 1,500 you know, or so coins that are out there that folks have created just to see how it works underneath the hood and things like that. And uh, It was interesting. I could, I'll say that. It's, it's very interesting. <laughs> So um, it's funny because you would think like going into a project like that, that you would like leave being very enamored. And I kind of went in with skepticism and without going into too much detail, giving the time that we have um, for, you know, a short five minute podcast, <laughs> I left more skeptical than I began. Let's just say that. Um, and I don't want to like confuse listeners too much about why that is. So if you are um, in-depth and want to read about some of that, um, I've got a write-up on hackster.io. That's H-A-C-K-S-T-E-R.io. And you can just search for how to make a cryptocurrency. You'll see my name, Paul DiCarlo, on there. Uh, that'll give you all the gory details. Um, but uh, as we're like kind of talking about you know, some of the skepticism and things like that. Uh, I know recently in the news, Google had announced that they're no longer going to be serving ads for cryptocurrencies on their platform, so they won't accept them. And um, you would think that's interesting, right? Because this is a um, technology giant, right? And for all the benefits that are touted for cryptocurrency and, you know, your Bitcoin, Litecoin, and that family of, of things... Um, you would think they would be like embracing of that stuff, and it's it's kind of interesting um, that it's quite the opposite, especially in their, you know, what's what is their bread and butter? I would say that um, some some would say Google might be an advertising company first and foremost, um, and and that that allows them to do a lot of the technological stuff that they do, and not to downplay that they are absolutely a technological innovator in my mind. Um, but it's funny how some of that stuff comes about. Um, there's a lot of proponents that see it as, well, 99% of the stuff that's out there is actually not tried and true, which is interesting. Um, what makes one of these things more legit than the other, right? Is it, is it like having a larger fan base? Um, is it being more mature, tried and proven? Um, or are they just tired of those, I don't know if anyone's seen those James Alditer seminar ads and they just don't want seminars right like they just that's what they don't like um but it's funny if we if you really dig deep into this stuff um and, and even as someone that's, that's looked into the source code itself there's there's interesting things there like 
um, you know, baked in IP addresses for what they call DNS seeds. So, um, you know, you're connecting to known entities um, and this baked into the code when you open these, these wallet programs and things like that. Um, other things like some coins not changing the names of particular things, like like Litecoin still has assets for their images and their their, their wallet program are still named like Bitcoin.jpg or Bitcoin.png. So um, someone copy pasted the code and they forgot to replace the line. Let's just say there's a lot of borrowing uh -huh. that seems to be going on yeah. in some of this stuff, and that's not to discount anything that's maybe created from scratch or with with good intention, but. Um, I think it comes, you know, it just starts to, to point to uh, some of the things like we're not seeing the technological innovators really fully embrace this stuff in as much as they're kind of pushing themselves out there. So it's interesting. So let's uh, go more deeper into um, the dark side of cryptocurrency. <laughs> the dark side. <laughs> this was actually the... You know, when we were doing a warm-up conversation, I was very fascinated when you were telling me this. So could you share a little bit more information? As you were looking into this, what have you found? So, like, what would be that 99% of stuff that even the <laughs> proponents would agree yeah. um, people should be protected from? Right, right. What should you be aware before buying this cryptocurrency craze? Well, there's a lot of stuff that's substantiated um, out there, and there's some things that are corroborated, and there's some things that are um, valid conspiracies, if you will. So on the substantiated side, I think that's the best place to really start. Um, we're seeing a lot of an influx of altcoins uh, that get created mainly on, uh, on the Ethereum platforms. You might hear about this. And it's funny, um, when, when I developed uh, the cryptocurrency that I built, Faithcoin, we actually started from a... C++ code base and it's just a lot of stuff to work with okay like you're you're going in there and building things and you have to make sure stuff works and running programs to produce valid starting chains for your your blockchain and things like that whereas in the ethereum world you can just create a text file um, and literally program it to disperse coin in certain intervals um, to users and we'll see like things like telegram apps so this is a popular like chat application on phones and you'll see that these groups will form around those uh, to receive uh, these airdrops as they call them or disbursements of these coins that are created with nothing more than a text file right and then, and they'll go um, and try to get more and more people involved into these groups, right? And you can kind of see what this starts to look like. And those who get in earlier, granted more coin and things like that than the ones that come later. And it's so funny because um, if the one that you do today doesn't work, well, you can create another text file tomorrow and make another one, right? And wow. Rebrand with like a, a, a new name uh, or something to that effect. Now, what's, what's really crazy is... Um, not to pick on Ethereum, but if we look at how the underlying algorithms work in even the granddaddy of them all, Bitcoin, mm -hmm. it's actually very similar. Um, a, an interesting point to look at there is how uh, the disbursement of coins are, especially on a new chain. So you've probably heard this concept of mining, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just be, in a short period of time, be really easy about it. It's like guessing a random number, and whoever can guess the random numbers the fastest is statistically more likely to get the reward. Mm -hmm. And the reward starts at a certain amount. Uh, 
believe in Bitcoin's case, it, it, I believe it may have started at 100, uh, and then that gets halved over time to 50, then 25, then 12.5. Um, so it gets halved as X amount of blocks are um, mined. So that right there is a pretty easy way to see that, well, those who are involved early get more of a reward than those who come in late. But it's actually more than that. Um, the algorithm and what they call um, target difficulty, so how hard it is to guess this number to keep it simple for folks out there, um, is actually really easy in the beginning of a chain. And, and I experienced this when, when building, we called it Faithcoin. Um, I'm not trying to plug something here. This is more of one of those learning things, but um, yeah, you just have to believe in it and it'll work, right? like, <laughs> like anything else out there. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny because um, I noticed I was uh, producing coin very fast. Now, it's, it's, it's a little bit unfair to compare that to Bitcoin since I forked mine off of Litecoin, uh, which uses a, a simpler proof-of-work algorithm, meaning that those numbers are easier to guess. We'll just say it like that, okay? Um but what's really funny is even if you look at the history of Bitcoin, the founder, the you know dubious or unknown, mysterious Satoshi Nakamoto, um, it is known. You can see this. Remember, blockchains, right, re retain all history. You've all heard this. You can see everything that's ever happened on them. Believe it or not, um, has mined, it is known, one million Bitcoins, has a stash of one million Bitcoins. And if... If you think about that and look at how much time that took, whereas it would take you and I an, <laughs> an almost infinite amount of time to do it on you know, our, our, our PCs or Macs or laptops at home, um, a lot of it was mined up front. And again, the, I think the, the moral of this story is all of these cryptocurrencies um, that operate in that fashion – certainly reward the early adopters at an exponentially higher rate than lower Who ones. are those early adopters? Uh, uh, creators of these things? Yeah. Uh, who knows who they could be? Uh, they could be a... Uh, what are the conspiracy theorists It say? could be a researcher. It could be a genius in a basement. It could be a, uh, a nation state. Who knows, right? What is nation state? <laughs> it could be a government. You don't oh, know. Oh, I see. It could be, but... Um, you know, none of that's known, and I think that, that when you when you ask about that mysteriousness of it all and how much of it is out there, um, it really starts to look like something a bit different than maybe what um, we get told that it all is. Yeah, that's uh, kind of an eye-opening uh, realization, actually. You went more into it in details when we were talking about it. I guess you don't want to necessarily go into it. Um, I think given the time that we have, right, I mean, uh, yeah. they, we couldn't go into all of that, but um, it is interesting to note if you pay attention to certain things like, um, you know, this would be an exercise for the listener. Go, uh -huh. go look at where all this stuff is being mined from. Uh, you know, where is where is Bitcoin being produced from? Um uh, who has the most of it? You can actually look on the blockchain to see, you know, there's there's a handful of individuals out there that own single-digit percentages of the entire amount that's out there. Mm -hmm. And um, when you think about it like that, you know, when they're hoarding this or hodling, whatever right. you call, call it, and it's to an extent that is so much higher mm -hmm. than what you or I could get into, especially as someone that might be buying in for the first time at $10,000 a coin or right. something like that, um, you start to realize that, you know, you're buying into something mm -hmm. um, that, you know, has a perceived value mm -hmm. that uh, 
there's some folks out there that certainly have enough of it to go around. Yeah, I mean, I know that it was a, it's still, I think, a, a craze in Korea where people would sell their house and, and their cars to purchase Bitcoin during the craze time, like last year. And I can't imagine where they are now with that. Well, you know, that's really unfortunate. Yeah. But, you know, um, if we were to look at this just from a perspective, you know, to try to make some sense out of it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like maybe it's a tulip mania or a beanie baby mm-hmm. uh, type of craze like we saw in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But the, the thing that's interesting, though, is, you know, we were touted with all these benefits of what it can be. And, and how many of us out there are really buying into that aspect of it Mm -hmm. and how many of us are buying into it because it's going to be worth more money in the future right Mm -hmm. and you have to really kind of ask yourself that because if your interest is really truly in the technology it shouldn't matter Mm -hmm. what the value is and um the blockchain technology itself you you said something that you know that you don't necessarily need blockchain to to be benefiting from what it's saying that it benefits. Well, there's a lot of, um, you know, one of, one of one of the arguments I hear out, out there, you know, anytime we see these ICOs, right, which are almost like you, you can think about them almost like clones of a, of a cryptocurrency, except instead of the, the, the thing having some sort of a monetary value, it's usually used as an exchange um, asset for some particular type of service, insert XYZ here, like, mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a blockchain for checking out library books mm-hmm. or a blockchain for storing dental records mm-hmm. or a blockchain for, you know, insert all these things here. One thing that comes back that's really common is what about any of those particular use cases cannot be solved with a database, you know, a standard type of database? And um, I, I, I agree there's some valid questions that could come back on that, you know, immutability, decentralization and things like that. But I would argue back too. There's there, there's ways to implement those those types of mechanisms in mm-hmm. in databases. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting, I, and not to be like you know the negative person that thinks like there's no value in these things. Um, I think it's a healthy skepticism. I think it's it's good to have. It's it a different way of looking at absolutely. it. Absolutely. I mean, if you, you shouldn't have to talk about all the you know the flowery things to say the future is bright. I think you have to have a healthy skepticism to to protect the future as well so this is good. well we need to see where it takes us and if if what it's doing right now is you know as you mentioned um making people you know think that it's a good idea to put up their entire um you know wealth onto something and, and possibly lose a significant amount of it yeah. we're we're not really producing innovation if that's what the result is exactly. um, yeah. um and even on the other side if it's making people rich um i don't think that producing a society that wants to embrace something just for the um ability you know the, the greed behind it or you know the perceived uh, uh fortune that could come with being the person that that is a believer it is is really accomplishing the things that we really see when technology does good for for people and and you know that's that's in obviously you know being able to do transactions around the world like we do with network computer systems every single day or you know just being able to FaceTime with a relative or something from a mobile device those are real things that we can actually see have a value to them that we want to use not because it brings us 
monetary yeah. value. <laughs> right, yeah, or something to that effect. Yeah. You know, we're using it because the technology is really solving a problem. And maybe maybe these things will solve a problem. Of, it's probably going through some evolution and, and iteration to to get there, and I'm sure there is a lot of casualties in the process. We'll, we'll see what what the whole you know blockchain technology will take us. Maybe maybe we'll you know improve over time. Perhaps, yeah. I, I think there's certainly some things that it could maybe do well, right? It's not fair, I think, to come out and say that something like this has no value. But the thing is, a lot of the stuff that we're being told, we have yet to be delivered on. And I challenge some folks out there, don't let's, you know, like I, I'd like to hear where where that is, um, uh, just out of general curiosity. And not what's coming. Mm -hmm. I want to know where it is today. Where have we really driven that innovation today with this, uh, you know, with this particular technology? Because if it's happening, then those are the things we need to be looking at and replicating to really tr produce that difference uh, and that meaningful impact in, in the world. Yeah, so the listeners, if you know an example, please make sure to uh, comment in this uh, or, or send a message to, <laughs> through this app that I'm using. Um, it's called Anchor. So through Anchor app, you can send a, a reply, a request. So. Thank you, Paul, for your time, and it was a pleasure having you. That's always a pleasure. I mean, uh, you know, talking about technology is always really fun, and uh, I, I'm just curious to see what kind of things we do have out there. I don't know everything. I'll be the first to say that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just given my point of view on these things, I'd, I'd love to hear what those who are really doing it yes. um, are, are seeing out there. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs>